0: Okay, Clear Friday, go to your bookshop, get hold of the book we are about to tell you about, The Direct-to-Consumer Playbook. It is excellent. And I'm about to have and share with you my fascinating chat with its author, Mike Stevens.
1: It's the e-commerce master plan podcast, here to help you solve your marketing problems and grow your e-commerce business. Cutting through the hype to
0: bring you inspiration and advice from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello and welcome. It's great to have you here. In today's episode, I've got an amazing guest talking about an amazing topic. I'd have been happy to have Mike on the show just to talk about his experience running hugely successful D2C brands, but... He's only gone and written a book about it all, where he's spoken to 16 other senior founders and CEOs of other. Awesome D2C brands. So, we're going to be chatting in this episode about the wide, wide world of all that D2C advice. So, whether you're D2C or your marketplaces or your e commerce mail order, or you haven't even started yet, this really is a must listen to episode if you're trying to sell products to consumers online or anywhere else. And we get into a lot of what we're talking about here are the things that are going to help you survive in this, which has been quite a challenging year. And there's a little bit of a slant on um, sustainability and purpose in there, as I'm sure you'd expect, because that's what's working these days um, as well. Stay tuned. We are about to get into Meet Mike and hear all about his book and the stories behind it in a moment. Before we do that, though, please do check out our sponsors. Getting an online business off the ground is not easy. So if you find yourself working late, tackling a to-do list that's a mile long with your fifth cup of coffee by your side, remember, great email doesn't have to be complicated. That's what Klaviyo is for. It's the email and SMS platform built to help e-commerce brands earn more money by creating genuine customer relationships. Once you set up a free Klaviyo account, you can start sending beautiful branded messages in minutes, thanks to drag and drop design templates and built-in guidance. And with e-commerce specific recommendations and insights, you can keep growing your business as you go. Get started with a free account at clavio.com forward slash masterplan. That's K L A V I Y O.com slash masterplan. And now to introduce today's special guest. Mike Stevens is the author of the brand new book, The Direct-to-Consumer Playbook, The Stories and Strategies of the Brands That Wrote the D2C Rules. And one could say he was one of the D2C pioneers, with eight years at Innocent Drinks back in the 2000s and then founding the good-for-you confectionery brand Peppersmith, which over 10 years he scaled all the way to exit in 2018. Mike now helps startups and challenger brands scale through various mentoring schemes as a consultant via Stevens.Earth and via his brand new book. Hello, Mike.
1: Hello there, Chloe.
0: Brilliant to have you on the podcast. I am somewhat in awe of the fact that you've managed to find time during book launch week to record this. So, So thank you.
1: No, no, yeah, it's been a busy week, but it's been fun. Uh, yeah, I've, I've had to talk a lot about my book this week, but you know, uh, all our all us authors are happy to chat about what we've done.
0: It's, I've always found found with mine. It's kind of you reach the point of publishing, and you almost have to reread it yourself because there's been so much time going on during the production process. So, um, has it been nice reacquainting yourself with the content?
1: It has, and it was. Um, you know, it's all been a journey for me. This is my first book. I mean, I've spent the last twenty years. Doing so, uh, the last two years of, of writing has been quite different for me, and I found a lot about the publishing, yeah, you know, publishing process, which I didn't know before. And yes, there's been a lot of rereading, and I had a little opportunity to um, yeah do some edits before the uh, the book went to went to press, which was very very useful. But yeah, I mean, it was a, it is a long process, and after writing this, but I've got so much respect for anyone yeah who's 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 written a book i mean you've you've done five i mean that's that's awesome but every book on my bookshelf i now look at it you know with different eyes and you know and i just know how much blood sweat and tears every single one of those books has had gone going into it
0: totally echo that it's um it, they're, they're chunky old things to pull together and to make them useful as well as you've done with this one is uh is almost a, a second second level level one managed to create book level two actually make a good book which you've certainly done uh, with the direct to consumer playbook before we get deep into what's in the book though mike how did your your journey into e-commerce and d2c happen because you've kind of you kind of got 20 years experience in d2c uh
1: Yes and no in terms of 20 years experience in D2C. I've got 20 plus years experience in consumer goods. Um, so starting at Innocent, I was lucky to get in right at the start of that 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 business and that journey back in 2001. Uh, you know, we sold um, fruit juices. So D2C is not an obvious thing. However, even back in uh, 2001, we did have a little web shop and we were able to sell products via, you know, our very basic and clunky website but it worked and then um, I mean I worked at Innocent for eight years and it was just an incredible journey to be on I learned so much but I always wanted to have my own brand so back in 2009 me and another chap called Dan Shrimpton we set up Peppersmith which was a confectionery company and the reason we went into confectionery is because um, we just saw it as a category that wasn't moving with the times. Now at Innocent, you know, we were sort of, you know, leading the way, making products that were natural, that were sustainable, um, that were good for you, and a really nice brand to sort of tell the story and you know tell consumers why these products were different from what was already there and all of the food and drink um, categories are moving forward in that direction apart from confectionery and that's why we did confectionery because you know our our thought and our insight was well if you know the rest of the food and drink world is changing. Why shouldn't um, confectionery? so we came up with Peppersmith and for those of you who don't know the brand, it was a brand and still is a brand that makes um, it makes confectionery, it makes primarily mints and chewing gum, but it uses all natural ingredients and really importantly, it has active health benefits. So we use uh, ingredients that have known health benefits. So, you know, you can have all the pleasure of confectionery, but then also um, knowing it's doing you good. And that is really what led us on to um, the world of e-commerce and, and D2C. So, um, you know, when we set up Peppersmith back in you know, 2009, 2010, It was never set up to be a D2C company. Um, We knew, and actually, and it's true, it still is, the main customers are sort of bricks and mortar, supermarkets, sort of coffee shops, health food shops, you'll you'll find it out and about. However, right from day one, we wanted to have a D2C offer. And the reason that we really wanted to do that is because we knew that our no matter how well we were gonna we were gonna do we we're a startup right so distribution is always going to be hard to get and it's gonna take a long time so um what we wanted to do ensure that anyone who'd heard about the product and liked like the sound of what we were doing were able to get hold of it so we set up a little web shop and uh, and really from day one we were shipping out products d2c and uh, i was always surprised at the start in terms of how well that channel worked for us i mean we had some really nice bits of pr and whenever that happened yeah d2c orders used to go through the roof and it was a pretty basic operation i mean we used to do it all from the office primarily sending out orders maybe once twice a week but uh, normally on the friday would pack up the orders and and you know sort of put it in a big bag and take them down to the local post office that was our, our world of d2c but then over I guess the last 10 years or so I mean direct to consumer has become a real thing and i am um, starting to invest more and more time in, into it for two reasons number one it was just a great way to get our products to, you know, the customers who wanted them the most. I mean, in terms of what we were doing, we were selling confectionery, mints, and chewing gum, and that's normally not a very D2C friendly product. However, because we were selling it to people who wanted it all the time to ensure they had all these health benefits, we were able to package up, you know, Boxer 12s, Boxer 24, which made the D2C system work. So we just started doing more of it. And the other thing that I loved about it, it meant that we were in control. I love the fact that we could send, you know, products directly to the consumer who wants them. And we didn't have any middleman in the way, um, which is primary retailers. And um, I'm sure on this podcast before anyone you talk to, you ha- you hear the stories of all the supermarkets in terms of how hard they are to deal with, you know, the sort of the, the conditions they, they need from the suppliers. It's just they're just really tough. Organisations to have to um, have to operate with, and from what I saw, it is so many barriers um, between getting our products to the people, to the end consumer, the people who actually wanted them. So and, you know, with D 2 C, it meant that we could just skip all those steps and get the products to the people who really wanted them, and we could get to know them more uh, and understand what they need. And I loved it. So um, over the last sort of five or six years of PepperSmith, was just started doing more and more D 2 C. I mean. In the end, by the time I sold the business back in 2018, probably a third of our sales were sort of direct to consumer or third party, mainly Amazon. So they were our internet sales um, and, it's, and it's still growing. And, um, you know, I, di- I just really enjoyed D2C and all the benefits it can bring. Um, and the reason I've written this book is because... It's really tough, right? D2C is still quite new. And when we were first doing it back in the mid um, sort of twenty ten, so imagine that sort of 2013, 2014, we were figuring out, okay, what is the best way to do D2C well? And we didn't know. Uh, and then I started asking amongst my peer group. I knew a lot of other founders. I said, okay, you're doing a little bit of D2C, or you're certainly thinking about it. What are you gonna do? You know, what what what's your tactics? What's your strategy? And um, you know, some people had some good ideas, and I was lucky um I knew some of the people at grease.com, so they they really knew D2C, so they they were the real experts. But the rest of us, we were just making it up as we went along. And all the time I was building our D2C channel. I really wanted some help. And I just wondered why there wasn't the D2C book out there for brands. There were lots of sort of resources and books and, you know, various um, various outlets where you could get information on how to set up an e-commerce shop, a retail shop. Yeah. But we, we we didn't want to do that. I mean, we were a brand. We made a product and we wanted to know how to market it and also the the operational um, considerations to get it to to the end customer that's what we really wanted to know and uh, and even when i you know so i sold peppersmith in 2018 and even then no one had written this book so in 2019 which was the day i finally stepped away from um, my involvement with peppersmith i looked on amazon the book still didn't exist so at that point it was like okay no one's going to write this book about b2c and brands and what you should do so i'm going to do it myself
0: and uh, i think we're all glad you did because i think as i as i've said way up front in the intro to everyone listening to this podcast whether you class yourself as d2c as consumer goods whether you class yourself as pure e-commerce or even an fba you need this this book is so packed with solid stories solid strategies solid examples that for me it's a no-brainer to read but rather than me gush about it i'm actually going to ask you a question mike so um why did you decide to write the book as a set of case studies rather than just base it on all your experience? Because it, for anyone listening, it's, it's I think it's 16 separate case studies in depth of how some amazing brands have gone about their approach to D2C. So why, why case studies rather than your own experience?
1: Well, I guess... It is 16 case studies of of businesses that are not mine. It really should be 17 case studies because there is a chunk in the introduction about my experience of D2C at Peppersmith. Um, So, yes, there is a little bit about, you know, this is um, this is what I've done and what I learned. But what um, I knew at the start, I mean, if I if I had all the answers, I wouldn't have needed to write the book. Because the book is for is for me, and you know, and also I hope it's going to be really helpful to anyone else who's looking at DTC and wants to know how to do it properly. But I'm I'm not the expert, you know. I'm a, I'm quite a generalist. I know a little bit about everything. If you want to ask me about sort of finance and supply chain and marketing, I can give you some pretty good answers. But I would not describe myself as the expert, and it's the same with DTC. So my mission was to find the people who are and primarily the founders of the best d2c companies around because they are the experts they you know they've been living and breathing d2c for a long time they you know they know it better than me i mean in my, in my business yeah at peak, a third of it was d2c these businesses were pretty much primarily 100% d2c so they knew you know, what you needed to do from from start to finish from top to bottom way way better than me so it was my job was to record one what was their founding story i mean you know it's always interesting to hear how uh, an individual or set of individuals ended up doing what they were th- they're doing but from that it was really important to pull out you know what their strategy is what have they done um that's worked what have they done that hasn't worked and then share that and that's that's the real crux of it and also if you just think that you know the 16 different case studies in there every one of them has got a story um and you know a, a different set of variables so um you know it's not just that you can't just say it's down Luck because it's just one business that's done well. It's sixteen businesses that have really cracked it. So if I can find the themes that link them all together, there's a pretty good chance it could be replicated.
0: One of the reasons I love the fact that you've done it in this case study format is because we get we get so much from this book, but also because, as you've already said, you are this is the book you wanted to read. So you're the best placed person to ask the questions and get the right information out of your interviewees as such. Um, and I think that that comes across really strongly in the book is it's, it's really well drilled down to what people actually want to know. And you mentioned commonalities now um, across them all. It, to me, in some ways the book reads like a bit of like a history of D2C as well as being a playbook. Did you find, you know, that over the last two decades, what it takes to succeed as a D2C in the D2C channel has changed? Or have those commonalities Lasted the you know through the decades, and therefore they're definitely things we could bet on for the future.
1: I mean, it has changed massively. I mean, the sense of the commonality is you know the, the the brands that have succeeded have got a product that really solves a need. You know that's one hundred one. You've got to have a product that people want to buy and, get, and going to buy again and again. So um, that is still true. But in terms of it's really the marketing. So back in um, sort of I guess the, the twenty ten through to about twenty sixteen yeah you know, digital marketing was quite cheap and it meant for a lot of d2c brands they could put um, ads out on social and they could get a really good return on it uh, and what's more there weren't that I mean, that the competition wasn't as great as it is now so they could put an ad out which was relatively cheap and because they were that really and um, there was only a handful of people doing what they do there was a good chance that if a customer needed their products they would buy them whereas now things have changed dramatically in terms of you know, the customer acquisition costs via digital marketing um, are just getting higher and higher and higher. And that is primarily due to competition, it's uh, supply and demand. So as more and more companies want to use the platform to advertise, uh, yeah, the the costs are going to go up, and then you know that competition itself makes life really tough. Because consumers have just got so much more choice in terms of that, you know, the the products they buy and the brands they buy from. So you know, where I get to in terms of where we are today, it's though it's harder right so, you know let's not run away from the fact that it's harder than ever to have a successful d2c business because of the competition and and relatively low barriers of entry but the brands that will succeed are the ones that offer the best products they have, you know, they have a product that's going to make a real difference. Oliver uh, Bridge from Cornerstone, um, from the uh, so the the, the the men's shaving brand, he, he told me, if you want to launch a product today on D2C, it has to be 10 times better than what's already there. And I believe him, because if you, if you can't do that, you know, the ability to get people to switch, and it's not just about getting people to switch out of Brooks and Morton now because it's more convenient to do D2C, it's actually switching probably from another D2C offer. So so you have to have something truly unique. And you also have got to have a, a, you know, a product and a brand and a mission that's all about serving your customer. You've got to do that really well. I mean, I look at brands like Bloom and Wild who do that incredibly well. They're obsessed with making sure the customer has a good experience. I mean, in terms, of, I don't know if you've seen it, but they've got the, um, the thoughtful marketing they do where you can opt out of things like Mother's Day and Father's Day. That mm-hmm. just comes that just came from, you know, their awareness that, you know, for some of those you know, some of their customers, they used to send email marketing messages out and it made their day a bit worse than than, it, than when it was before they got the message and they wanted to change that. And it's just such a powerful attitude. So I, I love that. And we're in, you know, at the end of it. So you've got, if you've got a world where to succeed, you've got to make a really great product. You've got to care about your customers and you've got to engage with them in a really positive way. That's fantastic for the consumer. Hard to get right, but if you can crack it, um, you know, consumers are going to come to you again and again because that's just a great thing to offer.
0: And everyone listening, needless to say, uh, those case studies are all in the book. If you're going, I need to know more about Bloom and Wild or Cornerstone or I suspect all the brands that Mike mentions today, then that's another good reason to go and grab your copy. Um, Mike, you mentioned about how you know the, the product has to be 10 times better than what's already there and that we've got to really want to make our customers' lives easier. Something which I'm seeing growing in the marketplace, and as the listeners know, we're now, we're now a little bit obsessed with the path to net zero here on the podcast, is that there needs to be that sustainability or purpose driven or doing good for the planet or humanity angle to brands now if they want to cut through is that something you're seeing as well in the space
1: absolutely and and what it comes down to is that you know consumers have got this choice right if, if we wind back in terms of our consumer habits let's just say 20 years ago, the only way you could get a product is you go into a supermarket or a shop or retailer, bricks and mortar, you pick up a product off the shelf, you can read the packaging, and that is the um, yeah the top and bottom of your interaction with that brand? Yeah, everything you know about that brand really has to come from that packaging. Sure, you might go and look at the website, but that's after the event. You've got to be um, yeah pretty uh, interested to be able to do that. However, when you do D two C, you invite consumers into your business from the get-go. You know, they want to understand who is this company? Who are the people in it? What do they stand for? And if they stand for the same things as me and I believe them and I trust them and I like them, only then will I choose um, to buy a product from them because guess what? They can go somewhere else. They've got the internet, right? The internet's amazing. You can go, you can find any products. uh, You know, with with, you know, with hundreds and thousands of brands out there. You know, the internet's got you covered. So the only the only brands that are going to succeed are the ones who can make that emotional connection with their consumers, and and their consumer to say, I like this company. I believe the same things they believe. Therefore, I'm happy to give them my custom. E-commerce master plan is supported by some of the greatest companies in the e-commerce sector. Here's a reminder of who they are.
0: The subscription market is predicted to grow to nearly $500 billion by 2025. Recharge is the leading subscription management solution helping e-commerce merchants of all sizes launch and scale their subscription offerings. Recharge powers the growth for over 15,000 subscription merchants, turning one-time transactions into long-term customer relationships. Whether you're a direct-to-consumer business or an omnichannel brand, subscriptions strengthen your brand's relationship with your customers and make it easy for consumers to make repeat purchases, bringing you predictable revenue, increased customer loyalty and higher average order values. Turn transactions into relationships and experience seamless subscription commerce with Recharge. You can get started today with the subscription payment solution trusted by over 50 million subscribers worldwide by heading over to rechargepayments.com forward slash ever wondered how your business is doing compared to other businesses in your sector? Are you on track or behind the pack? Well, now's the time to find out what's going on in your market. There's a fantastic new benchmark service for retail e-commerce businesses from the customer and marketing analytics experts, Sweet Analytics. Participants sign up online. It's free only takes two minutes to set up and your data is secure and anonymous. Sweet Online Retail Index results are available daily and a weekly summary email summarises results and provides a full market view. You will always know where you sit against the pack. Sign up now with Suite Online Retail Index and find out if your business is on track. Sign up at benchmarks.suiteanalytics.com that's Benchmarks with an S and sweet like sugar. So go to benchmarks.sweetanalytics.com now. It's time for the top tips round. Okay, I love this section because it gives me and our list of some really quick ideas for taking our businesses to the next level. Mike, are you ready for the top tips? Hear me. Okay. First up, the book top tip. If everyone listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, what book would you recommend?
1: Aside from my own one,
0: we, we should give your book a plug here too, shouldn't we? So um, Mike's book is available right now and it's called The Direct-to-Consumer Playbook, The Stories and Strategies of the Brands That Wrote the D2C Rules. And that would be my recommendation for this coming Friday because it's hot off the press and quite frankly, you all need to read it. Um, But Mike, what would if they were going to read two, I suppose, which would be the other one you'd recommend?
1: Okay, well, uh, first of all, i so say you've got excellent taste, Chloe. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you, sir.
1: <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm going to mention two books and they're both, sort of in the d2c space so um the first one is uh, this is marketing by seth godin i mean i think seth is just an absolute master at sort of distilling down the most important important sort of marketing messages and relations and consumer behavior and human needs so i mean i guess most people would have at least come across seth godin in the past and and may have read some of his books i'd say this is marketing feels like his greatest hits I mean, he's written books since then, but it just feels like, you know, that is the book where he brings it all together. So if you're going to read one of his books, read that. Uh, and also in my research for my my book, um, I read Obsessed by Emily Haywood, who is the uh, sort of the founder – and creative director of red antler and red antler if you haven't heard of them they're, they're a u.s creative agency uh, and they did casper and Allbirds and a whole host of uh, american sort of dtc brands that you would have heard heard of but what i like about her book and also the, the same with, with Seth's book it's all about first principles it's about sort of foundational knowledge so it's not just about where you you know where the world is today it's just sort of human truths and if you can understand human truths um, desires and needs then you can always build a marketing strategy so yeah they're the ones i'd recommend
0: I love that. And I love what you said about, you know, understanding human needs, because as much as we think we've changed, the neuroscientists will prove time and time again, we really haven't. <laughs> so, um, yeah, always worth revisiting the first principles. And, and, um, and Chloe, can I just, just, yeah. just sort of
1: add to that? And, you know, and the books, I think, think, again, Seth Godin does this very well. And it's not about, you know, if we can understand how humans need, we can sort of trick them into buying more stuff absolutely not about that. It's about how we can best help people and serve them. And and that, that's the things that motivates me. I wrote this book to help other people. Um, so yeah, I, and I believe to succeed as a business and a brand, if you're not helping, if you're just pushing products onto people and they don't really enjoy what you do, you're not going to survive very long.
0: Very true. Okay. The traffic top tip then. Which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves?
1: So uh, this is a topic that I've had to think lots about in my own business, but also writing the book in terms of the way things have changed. So you know, five years ago we might have said, you know, Facebook lookalikes—that's the way to find all your customers. Not the case anymore. I mean, you can't really do it anymore. But um, yeah, beyond that, it's um, it's actually about content and it's about brand building. It's making sure that your brand is not just a uh, Instagram ad. It's actually it's got depth to it, um, and you know anyone who interacts with it can sort of understand it and then just dig deeper and deeper and deeper. I that that's the most important bit, but also for me, it's the most fun bit, right? You know, to tell people in terms of who you are and what you who you are and what you stand for. I mean that that's great, and you can get so creative with it. And I also would say to do it well, you do need a strong mission and purpose. And whether that's sustainability, whether that's about low cost, whether it's about service, whatever the thing that's most important to you, you know, you've got to have a really sort of strong mission. You've got to have a North Star and then you've got to talk about that lots. And that's the only way to really build it, you know, to have have a deep, deep brand.
0: Excellent advice. Okay, the tool top tip maybe a collaboration tool, a social media plug-in, a phone app, or just a way of working. Is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient from day to day?
1: I'm going to give you a going to give you a little tip and then a longer tip. So my small tip is, um, if you don't know how to do it, I always have on my um, my emails a two minute delay.
0: Oh, yes. Must have. It's, it's just a, it
1: saved me so many times in terms of, oh, I don't really want to send that email or I've forgotten to CC someone or I haven't attached, you know, whatever you meant to attach. Just a great tip. Do that. But onto the longest stuff, And I'm going to relate this to my own experience of writing the book. So when I wrote the book, I had four tools that really helped me do the whole thing. Um, the first one, when I did all my interviews, I used a, an app called Otter. And Otter is just this amazing tool where you can it transcribes, so it transcribes mm-hmm. the uh, the uh, you know people as they talk and it turns into turns that into a written document. Um, so that was fantastic. Then I'd use Shrivinger, which is a really basic sort of um, word processing app. I think it cost me like 20, 20 bucks or something. It's really cheap, but it was so old school. It meant that you know I could just think about typing. You know I'd be rubbish at doing things on a typewriter, but in terms of basic word processing, that was invaluable. And then, you know, alongside that was Grammarly. In my my business life, I've always been more of a, a numbers guy than a words guy. Um, but all of a sudden, I've written a book and I, now I've become a words guy. But uh, yeah, the, the, the dirty secret is I could not have done that without you know clever tools like spell checks. And, and, you know, and, and a better one is Grammarly, which checks your grammar and gives you services, suggestions for um, better communication. So that was great. Uh, and then, you know, the other thing I did during writing the book and the only way I could write the book is actually get myself off the grid as much as possible. I'm really lucky that I had access to a, uh, a beach hut. I live in Paul um, and I had access to um, a beach hut on the beach. And I used to sit in that beach hut to do my writing in the cold and the warm. And um, what I loved about it, there was just enough internet signal for my um, Spotify to work. So I kept some music on, but I couldn't write. I couldn't get any emails. I couldn't get on the internet. And it, that just gave me some real focus. So that's what I would do if you're trying to do what I did.
0: And I would second all those recommendations, although I don't have access to a beach hut. If I ever write again, I might have to fix that. (laughs) Okay, uh, Mike, the last one is the growth top tip. If you met someone today who's focused on growing their e-commerce business from 100 orders per month to 1,000, what would be your number one tip for them?
1: Again, I always think about first principles. Does your product serve a need? And if it does, you know you have to put yourself in terms of a brand in the way of people who are going to appreciate what you do the most. Um, so you have to put yourself out there. And I and I always say it's not like you are pushing your, you know, your advertisements and and whatever. So it's like this podcast. People have to come to you. They can choose to interact with what you do. So, you know, figure out who you can best serve and then just find ways to sort of enter into their conversation or in terms of what they do, where where they work, what they're into, and then they can choose to interact with you. So that 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 would be it. But it's all about who you are and what you make.
0: Excellent, Mike. Thank you so much for all of those. Um, Could you now, just before we say goodbye, let the listeners know where they can find you, your business and your book if, um, if like she says if, when they want to get in contact and and read the book too.
1: Yes, yeah, sure. So um, you, you you'll find me in various different places. I have a consultant website, um, which is stevens.earth. So have a look on there if you need any help. That's a good way to get in touch with me. I'm also quite active on social, yeah, you know, in the business world on LinkedIn. You'll find Mike J. Stevens on on LinkedIn. You'll you'll find me there, and also on Twitter. I am open, Mike Stevens. So please get in touch by any of those routes. And what I'd really like to learn from you is like what you think of the book. So the book is the Direct to Consumer Playbook. It was it's been released this week. It's out on all, you know, we're in all good, good bookshops, both digital. And uh, hopefully you can you can walk into your local bookshop as well. If they haven't got it, they will certainly order it in for you. So don't forget to do that.
0: Excellent. Thank you Mike for for coming on and giving us kind of the highlights of the book and um and so much insight into into your thinking around it all as well. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you and I hope loads of the listeners go out and grab the book because like I said I think it is an absolute must read. Um so thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks very much Chloe. Yeah, it was great. So I may have said this several times but it is a an excellent book, whatever type of e-commerce you're doing, because it, it is the how they found it, what went wrong, what went right with these 16 or 17, if you include Peppersmith, different case studies of brands who have that purpose, who have that reason for being there, that mission that they're going after and how they turned that into a viable, successful D2C brand. And I said there's a few problems in there and and reveals of that going on too, but it's a really interesting book and certainly one which even if you don't have time to take off the whole of Friday to read it, you can dip in and out of and read, you know, maybe one of these brands is one of your favorite brands. You get to see behind the scenes of it, or you get, you know, you're going, oh yeah, I started with the side hustle. How do I turn that into international stardom? Like the Huel one is titled. So you can, you can dip in and out. It's got an awesome um, contents page that gives you loads of, of insight. So you can work out which one, which chapter is going to be most useful to you right now. But I highly recommend grabbing yourself a copy and um, not just leaving it languishing on the bookshelf for a long time, but actually reading it. Right. So that's Mike's book, the D2C playbook. Go grab your copy. To get your hands on the notes from today's show, including of how to get hold of the book, his brilliant top tips and links to the various things we mentioned, then you can get that by heading over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast or use our new special direct to episode links. I'm very excited about those, um, which is if you put... Or if you go to ecmp.info forward slash whatever the number of the episode is into your URL bar, you will get straight to the correct episode page. So whether you're doing it for this episode or one which we recorded way back in 2015, it will work. If it doesn't, let me know and I will get it fixed, Uh, but it should work as it's ecmp.info forward slash episode number to go straight to the page with all the details for each and every single episode. And once you get to the website, you can, of course, add yourself to our email list so you don't miss out on any of the other things I share to help you improve your business. And if you're on our email list, you will have already heard me rave about this book because we put it out in our email newsletter very soon after I uh, recorded this interview with Mike. So you often hear about things first if you're on our email list. If you like this episode, then we have created a page on the website where with all our interviews with D2C brands, so you can get that at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash DTC. So that will enable you to dive deep in um, and hear even more D2C case studies. Thank you so much for tuning into this and every episode that you do of the eCommerce Masterplan podcast. I bring you a new interview every single week because I want to inspire and help e-commerce business owners like you to succeed and thrive with their business, including progressing along that all important path to net zero. So if you know someone this show can help, please tell them to listen to the eCommerce Masterplan podcast. I hope you have an excellent week and don't forget to keep optimising.
1: Thank you for listening to the e-commerce master plan podcast. Find out more at e slash
0: podcast. If you're marketing an e-commerce brand, you already know that data changes everything. More data means more power. And if your email or SMS tools can't handle all that data, they're probably holding you back. That's where Klaviyo comes in. Its top-notch personalization and segmentation help you send the right message at the right time, guided by unlimited real-time data from your online store and tech stack. Request a demo at klaviyo.com forward slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan.